good day and welcome to Holding Fast. How is your anchor holding today? Is it gripped firmly to the unshakable Word of God? That very Word of God that encourages us and admonishes us to worship the Lord, to give Him the adoration and praise that He is so worthy of because of who He is innately as the absolute sovereign, perfect creator of all this universe but also to give him praise, of course, for what he has done for us as broken sinners. He saved our souls. Uh, I want to take this opportunity here at the beginning of the year, pretty much, to be able to turn to what we're reading in our Bible reading program through the books of, uh, particularly the books of Exodus and the books of Leviticus, which we find our reading in now. Because if you've read very much in those, you've already discovered that God is setting up the procedure for his people to come and to worship him. And I think in a day that we live in when worship has become distorted by many contemporary churches, where the worship service is pretty much all about the people as opposed to the Lord himself, uh, often people are concerned about what they get from the program or what the church has to offer them or what is offered, what is provided for in the worship service so that worship service becomes so seeker sensitive that they're willing to to change their worship completely in order to make it man-centered instead of God-centered. That's what we face in in a, a great deal of the churches that are that are uh, uh, exist here in 2022. As a matter of fact, a lot of even the contemporary songs that are written are basically love songs to Jesus, in which you're given the impression that God must surely be glad that He's got us. Uh, because we're so much adored and so much uh, sought after and so on. And I think that we have it all entirely backwards, because if you'll note as what you've been reading so far in the Old Testament, that all of the worship was to be God-centered. I don't go to church in order to get something from it. That's a side blessing. My primary purpose in going to a worship service at my church ought to be in order for me to give to God, to give to Him, to give Him praise, to give Him adoration, to think on Him and His greatness, not how much uh, I'm worthy of any of His blessings at all. And so I believe because of that, it's time for us to take a little break, uh, or not a break actually, but just a, an, an emphasis, have an emphasis on what the biblical principles of genuine worship are really all about. Uh, and so we're going to do that beginning today. It's going to take a little bit uh, in, in the next two or three podcasts anyway to talk about uh, worship and what that really means. Let me begin today by noting for you that if you've read your Bible, you really discover pretty quick that um, that the Bible is pretty clear about this type of worship. Now, the Apostle Paul, interestingly enough, really does describe what biblical worship is all about in a nutshell. He said in the New Testament in Romans chapter 12, this is our verse for the day. You've heard this before, but listen to this. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, literally your act of worship, it says there. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. 
Now, I highlight those verses because I really do believe that the Apostle Paul is describing true worship perfectly. When he says, I urge you uh, by the mercies of God, he's suggesting some of the elements of true worship. And that, first of all, that would be that, that there's mo- the motivation to worship God is his mercies. God's mercies are everything that he's given to us. Um, uh, uh, that excuse me, that's God's mercies are Him withholding from us the things that we uh, that we really deserve, withholding the judgment, withholding the immediate uh, display of His wrath towards our judgment, uh, towards our sins. That's His mercies by the mercies of God. Uh, then He has given us His grace. Uh, That is, in a nutshell, giving us things that we don't deserve. So his mercy is withholding from us things we do deserve. His grace is giving us things that we have absolutely no deserving of, such as his his love, the Holy Spirit, his grace, his his everlasting peace, his eternal joy, his saving faith, uh, comfort and strength and wisdom and hope and patience and kindness and honor and glory and uh, righteousness and forgiveness and reconciliation and justification and sanctification and freedom and intercession and the list could go on and on. Uh, the knowledge of the of what God has done for us is what motivates our worship in anything uh, more than anything else. And that's why we lift our voices up in song at church. That's why we make preeminent the word of God. But the passage also there in Romans 12 gives a description of the kind of worship that he that he demands. And that is that you present your bodies a living, holy sacrifice. Presenting my body means to give God everything that I am, all that I, all my hopes, all my dreams, all my, my physical existence, my body, my mind, my soul, my spirit, that everything is given to God. I enter into that kind of worship where there's an entire consecration and surrender to him. Uh, In other words, I give up control of all those things. I turn them over to him. Just like a literal sacrifice was given totally to God on the altar. Uh, And it's to happen, verse 2 says here in Romans 12, by the renewing of our minds. Every day I come to the word of God and it needs to be, my mind needs to be cleansed and washed and set straight by the word of God. We renew our minds. So um, th- this is a this is a introduction briefly to worship. Now, if you've been reading through your Bible reading and you've read recently in the past few weeks, you've read from the book of Exodus. And I want to just suggest in closing today that worship does matter. Uh, worship matters to our God. You remember in Exodus chapter 20, when Moses is receiving the Ten Commandments, He said in chapter 20, verse 3, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Listen to these words of the Lord. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children, under the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. 
So what happens is here that worship does really matter, but we need to be doing it correctly. Because the fact is, the scripture goes on to describe how God does punish wrong worship and gives us specific examples of that in the scripture. In verse 5, God declared his rejection of false worship, that there is to be no other kind of image about that. Uh, that there is to be no other uh, carved idol that should substitute for that, um, and that's something that needs to be uh, that needs to be taught and and in, uh, inculcated into our families and our children at every opportunity. And that passage goes on even to say that God takes such a dim view of false worship that He punishes wrong worship. God is just absolutely disgusted by that. He said, "I am a jealous God." Don't substitute anything for me. And that happened quite frequently in the scriptures. Um, there are consequences for doing that. You, read, you will read of some of those as you go through the Old Testament reading. So not only does Exodus 20 declare his rejection of false worship, that he would not accept it, but he also, in Numbers chapter 16, God demonstrated his rejection of false worship. What would that look like? And by the way, you find this frequently throughout the New Testament, excuse me, the Old Testament and God's dealing with his people is that there were specific times, particularly in Numbers, where there were individuals who tried to come and speak uh, 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 into worship from their own viewpoint. Uh, you remember Korah. In Numbers chapter 16, uh, they got up from the tabernacle of Korah and from the tent, uh, Dathan and Abiram on every side, and Dathan and Abiram came out and stood in the door of their tents and their wives and their sons and their little children. They and all that appertained to them went down alive into the pit, and the earth closed upon them, and they perished from among the congregation. You'll remember that Korah stood up against God. Uh, and worshipped in a false way. He pridefully exalted himself. You go back and read that chapter. Worship was all about him. Worship was all about Korah. He was going to approach God on his terms instead of in the way that God said he should be approached. Uh, and by the way, that highlights the man-centered philosophy and hypocrisy that's today uh, taking an office that was not his. Korah tried to usurp that place, and he he. Um, uh, absolutely defied the description of worship as God defined it. And as a result, they lost their lives. Uh, the scripture is full of opportunities like that. You remember Nadab and Abihu who offered strange fire, strange incense, that they tried to approach God not using the principles that God laid out, and they adopted worship from other false religions, idolatry, and they came in and tried to offer worship to God of their own making, and God struck them because of that, and they died. You got to come God's way, because if you don't come God's way, you'll find that you're going to cultivate his anger and his wrath. Uh, one other one we read often in the Bible of uh, at least two places in the Old Testament where God was giving specifics about how to approach him. And he said that in the worship of him, you are not to, to uh, boil a lamb or a kid in his mother's milk. 
Have you ever puzzled over that? That's one of those statements that you go, wait, what, what is that? What's that got to do with this worship and what God's setting up in his temple, in his tabernacle? The answer to that is that was a pagan worship ritual that was done for false gods and idols. And God said, don't bring that into my worship. You worship on my terms and how I call you to myself. Because God punishes wrong worship, but also God blesses right worship. We're going to look at that next time. And we're going to note some things about worship that pleases God. Worship Him today, will you? Love Him, serve Him, make it all about Him. He is worthy of all adoration and praise. God bless you. 